Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Honestly, there are times over there where you are just shaking your head going, am I ever going to fit in here? I don't know any Irish people that haven't had that moment where you're like, will I ever settle here? And I don't think I did because I always knew I was coming back. I always kept one foot here. I always had a a toe on Ireland. And so the Irishman abroad has returned home. Jarlath Regan, comedian and host of the highly successful Irishman abroad podcast, has spent the last 10 years living in London. He's raised a family. He's built his career there. Um, but as he tells me in this fascinating chat, his goal from day one was always to get back home again. And that's exactly what he did just a couple of months ago. I think if you've ever lived abroad for a period of time, you're really going to empathise with Jarlath's story. He talks about why he moved away in the first place, the difficulties of settling into a new culture, how it feels to return to a very different Ireland than the one he left behind, and lots more besides. Like, yeah, I could see my happen. questions no. on the late, late. I, they'll never admit this, but I've had the guests come back and go, they tried to do your interview with me can, on the late, late. Your number one priority is getting your son to feel happy here. Because for him, England is where he grew up. That's it. He said to me the other day, that was my childhood home and now he's turning 13 in November and we got to make this your teenage home you know we, we've, that's, a, that's a task like a lot of people listen to this I used to look at people who were out running and think what went wrong in that relationship <laughs> <laughs> how would you prefer to do that than be at home yeah. and be intimate with your partner I think a lot of Irish lads have a complex about soundness They want a legacy of soundness. Every fella is chasing it. That's why they're buying pints for each other. That's why they're returning every WhatsApp message with a thumbs up. I struggled with that for years and years and years, even after donating a kidney to my brother. (laughs) My full chat with Jarlett Regan coming up in just a few minutes time. But first, it's comedy. And I guess there's only one thing on everybody's lips this week. Yeah. It's the Prince Harry book and all those revelations. And I can tell you, all my favourite podcasting buddies have been talking about it this week, including, as you can hear now, Eamon Dunphy on The Stand. Hello and welcome to The Stand. Now, the book is out. Prince Harry, the revelations are seismic. And I'm delighted to be joined by a man who has kept a close eye on the royal family for many years. He is an undisputed royal expert and he's also our royal correspondent, the great Johnny Giles. John. Hi, Eamon. John, where do you stand on um, this dispute? Yeah, I'm with Harry, Eamon. You're with Harry. Why, Why, John? Why would you be with I Harry? I think he's a good lad, Eamon. Yes. I think the family might have it in for him, Eamon. Yes, well, he has been very indiscreet, John, and I think that is a, a question. Well, he represented his country, Eamon. Yes, he did. He did. 10 he to 15 did. years. Up against tough opposition, Eamon. Yes, Afghanistan, they're a good side, John. Yeah, but was yeah, he a good yeah. soldier or a great soldier, do you think, in your royal well, estimation? he loved his country, Eamon. There's yes. no question about that. Now, yeah. he got frostbite on his todger, Eamon, as far yeah. as I Yes, I, 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 read, I, read, I read that, yes. Now, I mean, I did you ever get frostbite in your todger playing for Millwall, Eamon? No, John, no. No, no. so he's a good lad. Yes. He's an honest lad. He's a game lad, Damon. John, he did admit to taking drugs in the past. Cocaine, magic mushrooms. Well, who didn't, Damon? 
Sorry, John. You didn't take magic mushrooms, Eamon. We all took the shrooms, Eamon. Well, did you take magic mushrooms, John, on your... Of course cur- I did. Myself yes. and Nobby Styles when we off our gimps playing in the league match there against, I think, Wolves it was in 1963. Yes. yes. Wolves beat us 5-0, Eamon. I remember. Nobby was lying on the ground, looking up at the clouds. Yes. I got paranoid, Eamon, and ran off the pitch after 20 minutes. Why, John? Why? I thought Bobby Charlton was after turning into a turkey. He was running after me. It took me days to come down out of it, Eamon. Okay, John. Yeah. Thanks for that um, fantastic analysis of the royal crisis and the royal dispute. And um, we'll be back this uh, same time next week, folks. <laughs> and of course, my guilty pleasure, Joanne and Vogue in My Therapist Ghosted Me. Joanne? Yeah? What do you think of the whole Prince Harry stuff? Oh, I love him. Harry? Yeah, I completely dig the gingers. No way, seriously. Banter heads are a complete fucking turn on. I'd ride them sideways, Vogie. No <laughs> way! Actually, do you know what? A ginger threesome with uh, your man. Who's it? Uh, your what? man, the fucking Harry and Ed Sheeran. Oh yeah, that's gross. And he's half mad as well. Who, Ed Sheeran? No, Harry. Oh. And he's fucking loaded. A complete and total ride bag. <laughs> Chip on the shoulder. You know what they say? I'd what? say he's a fucking animal in the sack. <laughs> ah, they're great, aren't they? And more exclusive comedy next week and every week on the Mario Rosenstock podcast. It's the only place you can get it right here. And if you want to see me live, don't forget, I am embarking on a new nationwide tour starting in Castle Bar on February the 24th. Um, I'm doing multiple nights in the Cork Opera House, multiple nights in the Olympia Theatre. Um, um, all through February, March and April I'm in the INEC in Killarney I'm in Mullingar, Sligo, Galway um, Waterford, Wexford, Kilkenny I'm all over the place, Drogheda um, I'm everywhere So go on Ticketmaster and come and see my new show live But listen, now it's time to meet my special guest on this episode The very talented comedian and podcaster Jarleth Regan Jarleth has a fascinating story to tell. He also has a lot to say about Irish culture, British culture, comedy, podcasting, the works, and even how running has transformed his life and saved him a fortune in therapy bills. Enjoy. Jarleth, welcome back to Ireland. Thank you so much, Marion. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I love it, by the way. Oh, very kind. You listen yeah. to a couple of these. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, look, good podcasts are hard to find. So, and of great course, to be on. I was on your podcast, and I remember doing. Ago. I remember recording your podcast, uh, an Irishman abroad, up here in the Today FM studios. And I remember thinking afterwards, after I'd finished the podcast, I remember I said way more than I should have said <laughs> in that podcast. Because I was being lulled into a false <laughs> sense of security by this silver-tongued Lothario. And in fact, I'm usually louder on my own podcast, but now you're bringing my voice down because your voice is so... I've never been called a Lothario. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, but your voice is so is so calming. I know. Listen, I was rehearsing my show for my wife the other week and literally every time I started doing it, she started yawning. And that's not because the show wasn't funny. <laughs> it's because you... But she's literally like, Jar, your voice... It takes me, it makes me so relaxed. And I, I definitely get that, people using the podcast to get to sleep. That's nice. It's a weird compliment. Yeah. Um, so listen, welcome back to Ireland. And I know you came back to Ireland recently. And, and actually, I'd love to talk to you about that. And I'd like mm. to make the body of our conversation a bit like that, because there's lots of little spin-offs we could talk about, mm. about coming back to Ireland and leaving England and uh, your impressions after having left England and your impressions on coming back home to Ireland. But really, uh, I suppose it's the last 10 years that took you uh, away with mm. Irish Man Abroad, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. Let's, for my listeners, give me a little whistle-stop tour uh, um, um, of the last 10 years. The last 10 and years. in fact, started off with how 
Start it off, if you can, with how Irish Man Abroad was born. Yeah, well, basically, I moved away in 2013 when everyone was. Like, there was queues. At the, I remember getting in the car and seeing people I knew, and it was flooding, people flooding out of the country at the time. Mm. Uh, I mean, it was a mystery to me how an entertainer or some, somebody in the arts was meant to make a living. Uh, but all roads in comedy, certainly stand-up comedy, always led to London always that was just how it was expected it was the done thing and then we got some kind of weird anomaly where the Celtic Tiger came along people like yourself produced this amazing work and were able to tour big shows and somebody whispered in your ear you might be able to be a comedian in Ireland and not leave but it just wasn't the case Mm. the country went on this mad financial wobble and we, I said we felt like we were at a house party where the people whose house it was came into the sitting room wearing their pyjamas. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's our cue to leave. There was a real sense that you weren't wanted. Yeah. That it was like, when are you going? And I, I think there's probably quotes of different TDs, maybe even Enda Kenny saying that you know this is an export of ours and we nearly expect people to go. Of course, I remember that. Very tough to listen to. I remember they described it as an export, yes. Yeah, Mm. you wanted to stay. And I went over there with my wife and my one-year-old baby Mm. and uh, really flying blind. And I knew I was flying blind right away because if you think about it, there'd been a generation of comics, including like people like Neil Delamere and Des Bishop, who hadn't had to go. Mm. So there wasn't this great chunk and community of Irish comedians Mm. over there that you could go, let's all hang out together and do this thing. Instead, you were going, well, how how is this going to be done? Mm. And that was the question that Irish Man Abroad posed uh, in the very first offings was, I know I've accumulated a certain number of contacts in my phone. Maybe they can help. Yes. Maybe they can help because I can't be the only one feeling like, how the hell am I going to get home? And I do think that was always the mission. I wanted Mikey to be in secondary school in Ireland. So many people go away so that they can come home. And I was one of them. Yeah, yeah. That's the beginning of it. Yeah, okay. And so it was, so in a sense, the beginning of Irish Man Abroad was organic in the sense that you're going, what am I going to do now that I'm here? I know some people may be here. And who did you reach out to her? Well, um, Graeme Linehan, mm-hmm. number one. Um, Sharon Horgan, number two. Ed Byrne, number three. Um, I don't know the exact order, but like y- you go through that first five and I didn't have a plan I had no plan. I just loved podcasts and I loved conversation. And I also knew that podcasting was way bigger outside of Ireland. This, the amount of time that I spent commuting back and forth between London and Ireland, trying to set up the land, prepare the soil for the family going over there. I was in the company of Mark Marin and all these yeah. other podcasts. And I knew I loved this. What is podcasting? Now, sorry, what I mean by that is like, I don't really know much about the history of podcasting and I'm probably going to be surprised, but you do. You probably know about it. So when was podcasting? Like, you, we were way behind the curve, obviously. So, so like, when... What? Well, I think Ricky Gervais started it to an extent. Yeah? The, yeah, the Carl Pilkington, Stephen Merchant conversation certainly for me was the first time I downloaded something okay. onto a device and listened to All it. Right. And I can remember then switching it onto a CD so that I could allow other people to enjoy what I was enjoying. Yeah. And to me, that was the first 
long form piece of yeah. radio entertainment. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, podcasting has grown to be whatever yeah. you want it to be. Yeah, and was it, but, but, but had it not existed in America, for example, at a kind of a big level? I'm sure level it before? did, yeah. but isn't it all about when you're not famous until my man knows who you are? Yeah. You know, yeah. that like to me, there's, there's probably a, a billion hours of podcasting that never got heard. No. <laughs> and then one person breaks the sure. seal. And sure. Ricky was that. Sure. Um, and that's maybe when, so that kind of pricked your ears yeah, about it. Yeah, not even in the sense that I could do this, yeah. but definitely listening to Mark Marin, someone I was mm. partially friends with mm. through going to Edinburgh and doing Whoa. shows with him. Uh, his his position as well with, with WTF was my career's done. And people forget this about WTF. He's, he's like, I'm done. I've nothing left here. Nobody's interested in me. I can't get booked. My agent isn't returning my calls, but I have all these friends. Yeah. And a lot of the first WTF episodes are him in conversations with people going, how the fuck are you famous? And right, I'm right, 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 right. <laughs> and uh, look, if you go back to those early WTF episodes, it's not hard to realise why I fell in love with long form interviews. Yes. I'd always loved just good conversation and great like uninterrupted quality chats and there's just nothing like it if you're alone people who are listening to this now understand they're podcast listeners that there is an intimacy to this medium that is it's hard to replicate anywhere else even on radio yeah well it's they're carrying around somebody in your ears like this Mm. in moments where they don't go we'll be back after this break even though and when they know they're not really being censored yeah you know yeah there's a I used to say the podcasts are the new pints yeah like when do two fellas talk to each other in the old days yeah. put four pints well, down now it's put two mics and say this is going that's up that's pretty much Apple. it two mics and one coffee yeah. but pretty much when I started my podcast two years ago I was kind of I have, I have no problems in saying this I would go through your list because I'd enjoyed so many conversations from Irishman that I would go through your list almost on the basis of, you know, he got a fucking good conversation out <laughs> yeah. of him. Your man has a great story to tell. I'll yeah. rob him. Yeah. And, and so I literally would... But I could see the Late Late Show doing that. I could see... Like, yeah, I could see my happen. questions no. on the Late Late. And I, like, Fair enough. I, they'll never admit this, but I've had the guests come back and go, they tried to do your interview with me can, on the Late Late. And I get that, you know, everybody's influenced by everybody else. Exactly. I would hear some conversations you did on an Irishman and I'd go, Jesus, that's a great guest. Yeah. And you know what? And Jareth, maybe it wasn't a great guest. Maybe you just brought the best out of them. Well, look, that's the magic, isn't it? That I do think that there's a great conversation in everyone. I really do. But I think it's a matter of timing. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to find them at the right time. like um, And conversations can be dead as well. I mean, I mean, we we talked about Roy on Tommy Tiernan the other day, you know, I mean, it didn't really catch fire. Hmm. And well, the possibly, timing of that's all wrong, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and maybe, the setup. It's, maybe it's possibly the setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like I had Seamus Coleman on and the FAI helped me set up the interview. Mm. They were like, we've got to put two cameras on this. And I was immediately like, oh, yeah, mm. this is not going to, be great first of all because professional footballers are very wary shutters of cameras, down yeah. 
why should I be doing this? Yeah. And why why should I reveal anything? Uh, so it's already going to be work. Uh, the best time to catch a professional footballer is 10 years after his career is yeah. over. Um, so, so many times the people that I would talk to at the start of Irishman were people that, like Sharon. Sharon Horgan at the time was a h- hugely successful comedy writer in the, in Britain. Yeah. But people in Ireland didn't know her. Nope. She was just not on the radar. And I remember asking her, does that annoy her? <laughs> like, you're a huge deal here. Yeah. And yet she was just complete, complete, like people would, did not know who I was having on. I had to explain. And did it annoy Sharon. her? No. No. No, of course not. No. So she was too busy working on what she had next. Like, I mean, she is such a hardworking yeah. person. I, I really haven't encountered no, any. So I remember Colin Farrell coming on The Late Late Show once and he was absolutely bricking it. Really? Oh yeah, and and I don't know who it was. So you were backstage and you t- chatted. <laughs> no, I'd seen it on television. Oh, he he was, admitted it. He was admitting and it. And it was either it was Ryan or, 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 or Ryan or Pat, and they said like, why? Like, why would you be scared? And he he just said, it's the, my ma thing. It's, it's the, the late, late late. Yeah. And you know he was going out with Brittany at the time or something, you know. Yeah. And it was just the late late. It's coming home, you know. But you had loads. All you've had loads of massive names on the show I wanted to ask you about you know like uh, f- from Hosier Sharon Horgan um, uh, Dara o- O'Brien yep. uh, Brian O'Driscoll Graham Lenehan Dylan Moran uh, Wogan even you had Wogan yeah. how was that? Um, very hard to get yeah. that's what I realised with him I chased him for about three years I chased Sir Brav Geldof for maybe eight years and I think that's interesting as well the idea that the people, chase. Ju- people just didn't walk onto your show you no. actually went to work yeah, and chased no, them it was a one man band and yeah. there wasn't How a would researcher you chase them? emails well look politeness you, yeah I mean well worded emails was the thing and persistence I mean I was the auditor of the Literary and Historical Society in UCD yeah. when I was a student yeah. and learned the power of well written letters uh, find the address. There was there was emails at the time, but well written letters got responses, and I knew that it was a handful of darts at the dartboard. One will hit the bullseye. Yes. Keep throwing them, and also when they say uh, not now, you can't walk away and go. That means not ever. So if Bob Geldof's people went, uh, maybe someday in autumn, I literally like right talk to you in autumn. Let's yeah, yeah. do it. And, and you come back in autumn. Yeah. yeah. And was yeah. there anyone that said, was there anyone that said yes to you that you went, I oh, fuck it, I don't believe it, I'm in. Oh yeah, and loads of people who said yes. Oh my god, I don't believe it, I'm in. And then nothing. Then oh. then you're like, oh, but you said yes. In fact, there's a guest coming on really soon. Okay. Who said yes in well, 2013? Yeah. It's 2023. Yeah. <laughs> 10 and years, okay. he's now saying, let's book this in. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, I will believe it when I see oh, it. Yeah. So I, I would said, never announce guests on I the show mean, because you want to jinx it. I launched this um, uh, podcast on the 17th of March, 2000 and, or 2021, which was Patrick's Day. And I even got a spot on the Late Late Show to launch it, which is a cool little oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And beforehand, um, I had got a commitment from... Michael D. Higgins to do it to come on the show and he's yeah. been doing that to me ever since right well at least you, know, you got that far not with quite him now. I got not it. quite I, now not quite now yeah. not quite now yeah what, do you think he'll do it yeah I do he thinks I'm a great artist like he did Bleeding Blind Boys yeah so he should do mine yeah, yeah. exactly I mean he's been on Matt Cooper Blind Boys is much more of a risk than yours 
Uh, yes, I suppose, theoretically. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'd be kind to him, though, you know I mean? God almighty. <laughs> I'd be nice to him. What we're saying here is, Jarlath, that over the last 10 years, you made a bloody good success of it. And you found your feet, not only podcast-wise, but multi-podcast-wise. You've done, you've spun out into running podcasts, Sonia O'Sullivan, Marion McKeown, American Politics, Basketball, uh, Parenting with your, with your own partner. Mm, true Crime. True Crime. Well, didn't know that one. True Crime. And um, and so it's been a huge success. But you are come you come you came back to Ireland. But you came back to Ireland. It's so funny, isn't it? The way we view that that like people go. Well, actually, I meant and and you came back to Ireland. But like that's the way that's that is the way people look at it. No, no, I didn't mean that. I, I mean and you, you came back to Ireland. No, but look, I know you didn't. What mean is it? it? But I think that it's very strange the whole coming back to Ireland. How some people are like. Tail between legs. Yeah, no, I don't see that at all. For, no. for me, you're right. The, that, that's been a path. That's the that's, amount of work. Yeah, that went into navigating a route home. Oh yeah, that there. I know so many people that are so envious oh, God, that they're there and they're going. How am I going to get out of this place? Yeah. Let me tell you a story before you tell me why you came back to Ireland and how you came back to Ireland. <laughs> You'll know where I came from when I'm okay. when I do this. Okay, so I went over to do a Munster rugby gig over in Knightsbridge. Right. And uh, a lot of people, 400 people in the room, yeah. all of them with a few quid in the pocket. Mm. This is auction time. Take your money out of your po- pocket and give it to the boys of Munster. We've got Lord this of that we've got the knight of we've got the earl of and Mario's inside doing some Raj Brian O'Driscoll Johnny Sexton I'm doing yeah. all the characters gotcha. and it went well and uh, I was feeling great for myself and I was earning money for Munster and getting you know all this sort of yeah. stuff and afterwards they said we stay around for a few drinks Mario and I went yeah great and so we're out there in the lobby and we're having posh hotel and we're having some drinks I noticed in the distance I noticed a young man just kind of I couldn't really hear him but I could see him and he was surrounded by other men and he was just waving his arms around and kind of controlling the group and I was just kind of looking at him I was going I bet you anything he's Irish anyway so I ended up talking to him and of course he was Right. He was Irish and he was in marketing and I asked him how things are going. And he went, absolutely brilliant, Mario. I'm cleaning up up here. You know, absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I went, you were controlling that group of lads. They were all, they seemed to be all from London. You were just, you were just the marshal, you know, the master of ceremonies. And, and he went, how long have you been? I went, how long have you been here? And he went, about uh, five or six years. And I have a little girl now. She's, she's, she's four. And I went, oh, great. You're going to send her to school here and everything. And his face just totally dropped and he changed. And he went, What? <laughs> Fuck off No He didn't really Do you think I'm going to have her going Papa Is Peppa Pig on yet No fucking way I want a Hurley in her hand Camogie stick By the time she's six They Completely changed His face utterly changed From this I'm yeah. having it here in London yeah. Making a fortune to You think I'd send my kids to school here so funny, Fuck off it? I am only here As a stopgap yeah. To go back to Ireland yeah. yeah And this It was the dream Yeah Go yeah. back and mm-hmm. send your kids to school in Ireland. Yeah. And you already intimated before you before I said this, you already intimated. The that deal was, was the I always wanted to be in Ireland. Always the plan because weirdly the education system here, we all have a memory of it. And the reason why a lot of us advanced is because we had a good experience. Now, I didn't go to a private school. I wasn't a rugby guy, even though some people assume that of me. I went to a very modest, uh, you know, non-fee-paying school uh, up the road from a fee-paying school and it was magical. Like, 
the most laughing I've ever done in my life. And I've seen the funniest people in the world. Uh, I've been around the funniest people in the world. I've shared the company of the greatest humorists that are there. And the experience of going to school in Ireland and all the variety of it, it, it it just is not available elsewhere. Now, I haven't obviously been to America. I haven't tested out the school system in Australia. I'm sure there's great schools around. But when you go to England and you're made aware that if you go to this school, that's a bad thing and that that will be your spot and that to break from this, that class system stuff. Yeah. I think Irish people over there get the heebie-jeebies around it. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some Irish people who are like, I love a bit of this, mm. you know. Uh, they're they're usually no crack. Mm. <laughs> and mm. a lot of us get that feeling that that man had, which is kind of the, the willies around the idea of, mm. now I didn't go, I'm going to slap a hurley in his hand and mm. going to make him talk like that. <laughs> I wanted him to come home and I wanted him to experience the beauty of this thing that we have in our country that we probably take for granted yeah. a bit. The teachers, the teachers, like like you must have a teacher mm-hmm. from that time, Mario, where you're like... The reason I'm here is because of a teacher. Boom. Right yeah. there. Yeah. Me Robin too. Robin Williams Central. Me. Dead Poets Society. Me too. Yeah. And I would imagine that there's people listening to this. Um, Louise O'Neill has a podcast about that very thing. Yeah. The teachers that changed. Yes. I would not be doing what I'm doing without that teacher and a couple of them a couple of them even good and bad the ones that nudged me both directions the ones that told me uh, that'll never happen mm-hmm. who I was like I'll show you mm-hmm. and the one that's spotted whatever it was that I was going to yeah. use in yeah. later life yeah. and you know I'm so, excited so for him to have that next year when he goes to secondary school yeah. here so one of your main um, one, of your main, the, one of the main images is to get is to have your kids educated here but 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 what about you as well? What about you coming home to Ireland? How do you feel coming home to Ireland and uprooting yourself from England, which became your home? Well, like we haven't talked about comedy at all, really, because the whole point of going to England was stand up. And, you know, 50 percent of my income in my life has been stand up yeah. comedy for the last 10 years, too. But because you didn't get to appear on QI uh, or Mock the Week, even though I did appear on British television many, many yes. times when I was there, it, it's funny that the way, the way comedy has gone, you can tip away and have a, have a decent little career for yourself without filling the O2. Yes. I mean, people everywhere know your name because of, principally because of the podcast, but yeah. they know that you're a comedian on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. This guy, he's a comedian. He has and a he great has a, podcast. His conversations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But like, you know, some of that I think, Mario, is because I didn't ever crowbar in jokes. And sometimes when I'm doing these chats here, I'm like, I can't do what some comedians do where they're like literally wrenching it around towards here's a funny story. I mean, I do have funny stories, but I, I kind of just do them on stage. Yeah, yeah. That's what my yeah. my show yeah. is. And uh, in some ways that it is like I've had people go, I love the podcast and I came to see your stand up. I was like, you don't make any jokes on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, how hard must that be to hold those jokes back? Yeah. And I, I just I just find that's the worst form of conversation. Don't you? To be honest with you, like uh, in, in your favour, not 
one person pretty much. I, I have a personal Gmail which people can contact me on this. Yeah. Uh, Mario Rosenstock at gmail.com and pretty much none of the people, the thousands and thousands of people who listen to this product connect it. They just go. Really? This just, is what they're listening to this for is what they the, want to these to reasons. Yeah, this yeah. is what they want to listen to it. Yeah. I mean, I do, and I do comic sketches on the podcast mm. and everything. And of Love course, it. yeah, but, 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 yeah. but, People aren't interested. In, people are interested in real conversations, yeah, rather than crowbarring. Our, 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 as yeah. you say. So the question was about coming yeah. back here for me. Yes, and honestly, there are times over there where you are just shaking your head, going, "Am I ever going to fit in here?" Mm. I, I don't know any Irish people that haven't had that moment where you're like, "Will I ever?" settle here mm. and I don't think I did I just mm. don't think I did I think some people are cut out for that mm. but I think sometimes because I always knew I was coming back mm. I always kept one foot here I always had a a toe on Ireland mm. and in some ways the the podcast is the Irishman Abroad podcast was that for loads was of people keeping a toe in Ireland yeah there yeah. was like people going I, I go to my GAA training in Sydney and I listen to it on the bike there yeah. and it's just great to hear what's happening at home or what life is like mm. for these mm. people so we did expand the show the, the show expanded not only into American politics and running with Sonia O'Sullivan parenting with my wife and the Honey, you're ruining our kid podcast, the true crime podcast, Irishman behind bars and Irishman inside basketball. But we also diversified the actual show in terms of it not just being Irish people abroad, that it was like Irish people who have been abroad and are now back or people with a connection to the country who you may not know. And they adore the place. Well, I also saw it as an Irishman abroad as being you. Yeah, I'm that the guy. you were an Irishman yeah. abroad, and you could talk to whoever. Yeah, you so I, I got those emails too. Yeah. Uh, this is very sexist. <laughs> like I'm the Irishman. Then <laughs> 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 there's the other email back. Sorry, I didn't realise that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So you are. I mean, you are leaving a country. You left a country, and it's so funny because in the last ten years, Britain, United Kingdom, England, has kind of morphed oh there's no kind of about dramatically, it dramatically yeah and in a way reflect, reflexively Ireland has kind of morphed yeah. as well no question and look I mean I follow UK politics very very carefully it's almost a hobby um, and it, the country is to, a men, in, to many extents a shit show at the moment Um and I'll probably get a few, you know, nasty emails for that. But I think, yeah. you know, there is no getting around it. You know, the, from the, the political situation to the economic situation. And then you hear these extraordinary statistics like a few months ago, for example, for the first time in a long time, for the first time ever, Ireland per capita GDP has passed out, you know, Great Britain by quite a long way. And so these perceptions that we've had of us being the smaller kind of attachment the appendage to the this colonial monster across the water it's just gone now I mean this is a progressive in to many extents we can get back to the difficulties that Ireland has but it's there are a lot of good things happening here there are a lot of bad things happening here in relation to housing and health yes and they have to be looked at but there's a lot of good things happening here as well Mario you said it to me outside before we came in you know talk about you know the Ireland you're coming back to and it is one of the great sources of joy for me is to come back and see how much the place has changed. 
obviously there's changes that are negative too. But some of the more positive changes in terms of self-expression in this country has changed in the last 10 years mm. in a way that I never thought it would. Yeah. Just the freedom to be you and do you. Yeah. <laughs> All you have to do is, you know, see people at the beach in this country now and you know that there's a lot of shackles that have been shaken off in the last 10 years. Uh, that doesn't make the housing crisis any better, does it? No. no. But would you back any generation to fix it more than you'd back this generation? I think I think that's a pretty safe bet that if anybody's going to sort that out, it's this crew of super educated, no BS, um, uh, all honesty, <laughs> no, uh, no snide, no cynicism, straight down the line uh, generation that I see mm. in front of me. Now, you could look at that generation and say other things. Mm. I mean, your producer here just did an exhale while... (laughs) 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 There's a load of people exhaling when I say that. But I am saying this from the perspective of a fella who went away when the shutters were up. I mean, I remember remember going to a shop, driving to a shop, and they were like, they close at four. And I was just like, what? Like, I remember thinking, I've got to get out of this country. Mm. Like, why are you closing at four? Because it's too expensive to stay open. Okay. How are you going to, how do you make money? Mm. You stay open. Mm-hmm. Ireland's open for business mm-hmm. as far as I can see, mm-hmm. as, a, as a new, uh, an Irish man abroad coming home. And now you're coming home and you are going to make it here like you made it abroad and you're going to continue making it. And, cause, and it goes back to this thing, because I keep, I bring this up all the time, right? But, so you talked when we were coming up the stairs, as you alluded to, and you went through all your early comedy life or whatever. I've been a constant that you could um, hear me yeah, on the I radio. I have to say this on the mic, Mario. But like, you don't have to I say I really it. have to. Well, you can say anything you want. Mario, like, when I was a teenager, you were the voice on the radio being funny that everyone in the country agreed was the funniest thing in Ireland. I mean, like, you predated uh, everything. Like, you were bigger than Gift Gift Grub was, you know, my scrap Saturday. Mm-hmm. And... I was just thinking about the constant line of you always being there, being funny and blowing the doors off it and being on it for what was happening at the time. The reactive nature of it. Before there was TikTok hot takes, there was you. There was every single morning without fail, like the YouTuber who consistently is on it first thing. There was you. It was like conjuring what you were doing. It was like magic. It was like, how is this possible? Stop! Anyway, Mario, that's lovely. That's facts, well, thank man. You, thank you. My wife Blonnet is a big fan of your work, right? And uh, that's a, something Terry Wogan actually said. He was like, people what? used to come up to him and go, "My wife loves your stuff." Oh, I think it's a load of shit myself. No, no, no. Because I obviously I like a branch. <laughs> I, I like I like a whole branch of your stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. But I don't listen to the running podcasts, oh, and great. I don't listen to your true crime, and I haven't listened to the parenting one. Yeah. But Blonnet has listened to them all. Oh, really? Yeah. Including oh, Marion McKeown. OG hardcore. Including Marion McKeown. Yeah. And she doesn't really, she's not really interested in, 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 in American politics. <laughs> yeah, but she well, loves... Marion's the best. Yeah, Marion. You had her on, right? Oh, yeah. She's just an incredible yeah. person and conversation. She, like, she's, some of her stuff when she was covering like the Middle East and all of yeah, this stuff. That's right. Her own life story is amazing. And following the MAGA crowd around. Oh, every single week Marion delivers an yeah. hour 
of analysis on yeah. my podcast Ke- Irishman Keen in America. under a huge giant truck that was oh, a great story she told unbelievable. me unbelievable um, she's terrific so you were one of the first that we know of anyway in this small country called Ireland who no one gives a shit about uh, that you branched out into many different podcasts and you, you, so you're doing multi kind of podcast mm. platforms yeah so I, I definitely tell me about the running one the I mean, running one came about in lockdown where I was a hot yoga man uh, for about a year before uh, COVID arrived and suddenly hot yoga became the most dangerous thing you could do <laughs> it's literally a cesspit of germs and like I mean Mario I, my health was going downhill mm. and all I was seeing was people out running and I was like how are these feckers allowed exercise and I'm not and like a lot of people listen to this I used to look at people who were out running and think what went wrong in that relationship <laughs> <laughs> How would you prefer to do that than be at home yeah. and be intimate with your partner? Right. So you have a negative aspect, oh, a negative outlook on it. I really looked at them with pity and I was like, God love them. Poor old runners. My whole opinion flipped on its head in the space of two years, thanks to Sonia O'Sullivan, who I rang in Australia. She'd been on the show a couple of times and I think we'd actually done a small episode around etiquette and runners. We did a Corona pod just where we used to try and keep people around the world up to date on what the hell is happening back home with this thing. So I rang Sonia for one of those episodes about if somebody is running by you, is it dangerous when they're coughing and spluttering that you might catch this thing? And eventually I rang her back and said, hey, do you think you could teach me how to run without turning my knees to chalk? Mm. And she was adamant this can be done. Mm. Uh, It took it took two years, I think, to get to get me like properly running. Yeah. like, Like doing. Did she teach you how to run? Yes. How do you learn to run? Slowly. <laughs> but, but you do <laughs> learn technique, answer. do you? Yes, we did a lot of episodes around form and technique and things that you can do, exercises you can do, so that you don't look like a hunched over, you know, waddler. Uh, drills and uh, we had somebody on for about chi running, which was, you know, channeling your spirit through your running. All of this world of stuff opens up to me. And I had never run. Like, I had never run. Like, I always say this to Sonia is Ireland's greatest track and field athlete ever. Literally broke every single record there is to break in the distances she ran. Won the World Cross Country Championships, long and short course, same weekend. I once twisted a testicle getting out of bed. (laughs) Now, we don't talk about that that much on the podcast. But she did have her work cut out. And she is an incredibly patient woman. That's what my wife says. She's the most patient yeah. woman. She and you're, as I say, you're a tall man. You're six, three or four, at least. The, the, the woman would, uh, she would assign the plan and I would upload each run to Strava, which is like the Facebook for runners. Runners who are listening will know all about it. It's the least cynical social media platform in the world. Everybody is just encouraging each other. But when you know that Sonia is checking. <laughs> Did you do your run? You're going to do it, Mario. And Cause, yeah, cause... this woman coached me from, I mean, couldn't get out of my own way to running five kilometres in under 20 minutes. Yeah, and I know how, the, how good that is. That's good. Well, it's a, it's a benchmark, definitely. Yeah, well. The people who run it faster than that, of course. But no, but it's good for a... For, for a, for a fellow that for had a never dude, run yeah. and in the space of mm. like a year and a half. Exactly. 
bananas. So now we're geared up and training for London City Marathon in April in Dublin. In, and did you do in, a half marathon or? We did a half yeah. marathon as a squad. We've our own yeah. singlets and the whole lot. We didn't put the Irishman running abroad initials yeah. on the t-shirt, on the singlets because we didn't realise what the initials of the Irishman running abroad were until we printed up the singlets. And okay. <laughs> realised that I guess that's, that's going to go well in London. <laughs> yeah. We, look, the, the, yeah, the, the community that this thing has created is the other thing, Mary, that like yeah. people tune in they run with us and then we meet up yeah. at these events, these park runs and these big ones yeah. like London. Did, and, uh, did, did running, This is some, some of this now is coming from my wife's text. Yes, right? sure. Did, 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 did running sort your head out? Yes. Did, did you have, 100%. Did, were, were you was, down or depressed? I, I was seeing a therapist because of all manner of stuff that Irish lads have in their head. Which are, is, are you, for example? Yeah, for example, I think a lot of Irish lads have a complex about soundness. They want a legacy of soundness. Every fella is chasing it. That's why they're buying pints for each other. That's why they're returning every WhatsApp message with a thumbs up and sound. Uh, I struggled with that for years and years and years, even after donating a kidney to my brother, which I thought would be the nail in the coffin. (laughs) (laughs) Convinced I'm a horrible person. And I was seeing a therapist for that and also the bloody performance and all of that stuff that gets in on you from as you know the pressure of just trying to produce over and over and over again started running and I can remember the first therapy session I missed because I was on a run and going my aunt who is a therapist was like I'd say she fucking loved you for this but I remember thinking I don't I'm not going to go back to that woman I got to run I run at that time every week now and the clarity that I was getting from that, like I still go back and see somebody every now and then when I really need it. But headspace is the big, is, okay. is the is the big return yeah. on, on running for me. Yeah. Regardless of how fast or slow you're doing it, that level of no distraction, no phone, just concentrated rhythmic breathing. Mm. It, I don't want to say it's a form of meditation. Yeah. But it, it has yeah. to be on some level. Yeah. And changed my life. Like, you know, definitely, Jeff definitely changed my life. Like, um, and that's partially Sonia and it's also me. Like, you got to give yourself some credit here too. <laughs> you know, other people have tried to go running and it not worked out. But I think it caught me at the right time. Planets aligned. And also, as I said, that community of friends that I have through this, like, it's just, it's just immense. Like, I can go anywhere to do a gig. <laughs> there's an Irishman abroad, running abroad listener who's ready to go yeah and out we go I love that oh, it's, it's yeah. epic but that's wonderful <laughs> it's incredible that, that, that guarantees your legacy of soundness <laughs> yeah. forever exactly forget fucking giving somebody <laughs> your kidney <laughs> yeah. although that was a great move well I, I brilliant do, move I, I mean yeah. you cannot the guy will on his death on his on his gravestone he had to be sound he gave his kidney mm, exactly there's yeah. nobody uh, nobody can argue with that <laughs> My wife uh, also said in the text, uh, her name is Blonnet, by the way, if you want to do a shout out Thanks, to her. Thanks, Blonnet. Thanks for listening. She love that now. Um, she said, she said at the bottom of the text, she said, with no um, hesitation, she said, she said, dot, 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 dot. By the way, he's very empathetic and seems to love people. How's that? What do you think? Well, I, I, I don't, that's for other people to say, isn't it? But I definitely have a curiosity. Mm. I think if you listen to certain interviews 
that aren't going well, this, the thing that's missing is curiosity. Mm-hmm. It's like even the way you're looking at me now. It's like you've been in interviews where the person is, yeah, yeah, and writing away and, uh-huh, uh-huh. I think that the core of uh, empathy is curiosity. It's like, how, how, why do you feel like that? Mm. And where does that come from? Mm. Um, I definitely, I always talk to my son about this empathy spectrum. That there are people in this world who have no empathy. <laughs> They're sociopaths and they potentially are serial killers. And we've probably bumped into Or CEOs. People. Yeah, many of them work as CEOs. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where there's people who can barely watch the John Lewis ad without being in bits. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I definitely yeah. know that I am somewhere to the right of that spectrum yeah. in terms of I, I definitely uh, any problems I've had are, are around feeling it too much yeah. and not not being like hey, hey that's their problem yeah. I, I struggle with that Did you feel a kinship with other Irish abroad one and did you recognise Irish abroad <laughs> so do, could you recognise Irish abroad I yeah. mean like I did with that guy over there and maybe I'm rose tinted glasses but I knew it was an Irish guy mm. because he was he was the one doing the crack mm. and they're not confident enough in a way some of the English guys to go out there and take the piss and do the crack. But he was. So yeah. I was wondering, did you, did you recognise Irish oh, people? God. Did you know Irish people? As in, as in, could you tell Irish people? Yeah, I think that you know them. I think that we have a radar, right? Mm-hmm. I think you spot them all right. But then there's ones where you're like, you're Irish. <laughs> That'll be the odd person where you meet them. You're like, you're not Irish, are you? And they're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I've just lived here. <laughs> yeah, so, so long. they're trying to blend in. And, and you're like, wow. That's like yeah. you're like a secret agent. Yeah, so they blend They never pick it. But honestly, a lot of Irish people over there wear it as a badge of honour because honestly, it opens doors. Like, think about it. Why does it open doors? From our perspective as comics. Yeah. You and I go on stage and make people laugh. Yeah. And when you go on with an Irish accent, you can nearly see it on the faces of the people in the front row of that comedy club. This will be good. Yeah. That's the reputation of the yeah. Irish humorist yeah. and the legacy of all of those great storytellers from right back to Dave Allen. Yeah. You get a certain amount of credit. And part of the education system that we mentioned is that people there are obviously still the odd one who goes, This guy's thick, he's from Ireland. But that's really, really dying out. Mm. Most of the time the Irish workers over there and the people that are employed in business over there, mm. they can't place them, right? Mm. They can't place them in their strata of uh, who's who's from Eton and we don't, in that way, they can't pigeonhole you. And in, that's the superpower of it. Yes. You could be from anything. Yes. I say my dad, my dad was a horse trainer. Yes. I say that to English people, they're like, oh. I get it. Because to them, that's Henry Cecil. Correct. You know? Yeah. Whereas we know everybody in so Ireland saying owns because a horse. They, because they couldn't pigeonhole you, yeah. that gave you a kind of um, a potentially unlimited oh, power. Yeah, but your mystery. Mm. He's very mysterious. Whereas you're saying that their class system means they can put well, each other in a box well, really quickly. That's the whole point of it, isn't it? Yeah. Can p- quickly, t- can quickly then, put you away. And then process. Yeah. and the, But the, they're forever trying to, obviously, not all of them, but forever trying to puzzle it out. Yeah. You know, and that can be wearing... What about the old 
cliche about taking the piss because you know that cliche that I think it's it's to do with Americans as well and it's to do with it's it's actually I think more to do with large societies in large societies very large societies 65 70 million or 200 million people people are much more careful about uh, they're regimented and they're much more careful about what they say to each other you don't want to offend anybody on the tube so better not even look at them in fact just keep your head down like this right but in Ireland we actually talk to strangers and after about you know a minute or so we're sort of going, oh, yeah, you're taking the piss. And we're sort of pulling the rug from under there. Now, Irish people mutually recognise that. Well, it's a but shorthand you... to find out if somebody's sound. It is. Uh, it is. And if you pull the pit, but if you put, do that to a British person and sometimes an American, uh, they will do that, give you that little confused look going, sorry. That's not our relationship. No, that's it, the sorry, baby you... brain stuff with Kate and Megan, isn't it? It's like she was told, we don't know each other well enough to speak to each yes. other like that. yes. And I definitely had that experience. I mean, Sharon Horgan, to bring her up again, <laughs> captured it beautifully in Motherland when she, or in Catastrophe where she walked up to a group of mums and said, what are you crazy bitches up to? And they looked at her like, did she just call us bitches? That's right. I mean, I have spent 10 years away from this country and I will tell you, I knew you got tears in my eyes when you do a joke in a shop and everybody laughs and they don't look at you like, is he trying to be funny? I mean, that that is the coming home part of this. I have to say that the happiest I've been in coming back to Ireland, and I still commute, let's be honest. I am over there most weeks. But the happiest feeling when you come home is that what you've just said, taking the piss and it not being met with a blank stare of, what, what, what is this? Now, there's, the north of England is a different beast to the mm. south where I live. Yeah. The north of England is and little, Scotland... Is a little more... They, like so they ripped the piss. Yorkshire understands. As, as Liverpoolians. Exactly. I mean, I've yeah, I remember being, I was at a Manchester United Liverpool game and I remember just spending the whole day in Liverpool. And I remember just the, I remember the sense of humour. I remember saying to John, Don Duggan, I remember going, these guys are like they're from Dublin. Yeah. You know that? Yeah. Well, and many I mean, of their and, ancestors were. And they, and hold on, not only that, and then I start, because I'm into accents and voices and everything. I went, fucking Liverpool accent is the Dublin accent turned upside down. It is. It is, it is. No, it is. It's literally turned upside down. Um, it's it's got that it's the same musicality it's just revert, uh, uh, inverted and of course it would be because they're just about what 15 miles away from each other on a First cold stop. on a coal boat First stop to a better life yeah 100% and honestly I, I, I feel like I should have said this at the start that in the same way as Marion McKeown says that there isn't one America there's all these little pockets that are America yes. that are not in any way similar to each other there's more than one England. Yes, there is. There really is. Yes. And the north of it, like I did jokes the other night in preparation for filming my new special yeah. and an English guy came up to me after us and he goes, uh, that was very funny, but I'm from the north of England. Right. So I know where you are talking about, right. but it's not where I'm from. So are you literally saying that now you can do a piece in England um, in, in two different places and it will land completely differently? Well, when I would go and do my shows up the north of England, I would address it in the manner I would in Dublin where I'm like, you'll not believe what they're up to over there. That you go up north and you go, so I live down the south and you guys get, that's a crazy place. Mm -hmm. And you would have to pitch it in that way that it's them and us. You guys get it because you're from Yorkshire. Mm -hmm. You know, 
I <laughs> this is all news to me. Like I remember talking to Josh Whittacombe about Mick McCarthy this way yeah. that I didn't have any frame of reference for what Yorkshire people were like until Mick McCarthy. Yeah, <laughs> and you suddenly are like, ah, yeah, it's a. It's, that's a different beast to somebody from St Albans. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's partly maybe what gave, I mean, it's partly what gave Jack Charlton his easiness over here as well, you know. I mean, he, I think um, he he was, he was I heard this, uh, he was famous for singing, actually. He didn't even know what he was singing. But you know the, the Republican song, Sean South. Yeah, and the Limerick songs. Yeah, Charlton used to sing that on the bus, not really knowing what he's singing, but he loved the tune. I mean, that's how easy he was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a Republican, you know, song like. Yeah, I mean that 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 part of England. When I talk about all of this stuff in in my show and also in this episode, like if I could have had a completely different experience over there, if I would lived up there, like we would be having a completely different mm. conversation. You said you never. Um, at times, you felt you never became part of it. You never will they ever kind of will I ever, ever settle settle yeah yeah. Um, having said that I, I, I presume if I'm guessing I presume you met some adorable British people oh yeah and that they yeah, are yeah. some of your better oh, friends yeah. oh yeah. yeah no doubt about and it and, and this is another cliche yeah. and this is another cliche but they say that if you do make a British or a UK or an English friend that they actually really do stay a friend. They have a sense oh, yeah, of they'll visit loyalty. <laughs> <laughs> they'll visit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, look, Mario. Is that true? Other, yes. That, did you, do you understand what um, that? Yeah, no, 100%. There is a tough exterior that you have to break through. Whereas Ireland has a very easy exterior. And they're so supportive then. They're like, you're my comedian friend. Of course I'll go to your show. Okay. You know, that kind of way. Right, I'll back you, mate. Yeah. Um, but like, I have to say, and I always relate to Jerry Seinfeld on this, that... Yeah. Comics aren't generally super social in that you're spending a lot of your days looking at the world going, yeah, this is weird. Yeah. I mean, why is nobody else seeing this? Yeah. You're an observer. Yeah. Uh, most comics, I feel, weren't the funny kid in the class. Mm-hmm. They were more than likely the kid watching the funny kid going, this isn't that funny. Mm-hmm. I don't know why everyone's laughing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that way... <laughs> You find yourself at events. I can remember being with at the embassy in London and Ardlo Hanlon seeing me across the room and kind of we're both running towards each other because you're just like, oh, a, a comedian's here. And, you know, you speak, a, you can speak to each other in a way that you can't to other people. So I don't know what I'm trying to really say here is that I'm not a very social person. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to other comics, uh, I, I can, I love talking to other comics and British comics. It's like, it doesn't matter where comedians are from. They have this language. Yeah. And in that way, my, the best friends I established over there were some of the poshest comedians yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, they're, you know, fill all the stereotypes of what we're talking about. And... You're just like you've got this you got this bond of mm. of this very bizarre job mm. that we do yeah uh, reflected in your whole like life is 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 some of the 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 names that you've given your your things which have always which have always, like Ross yeah. like Russell Carl Kelly so <laughs> you've always come up with good names yeah you know my favorite love one. a good name love a good name and organ Freeman was a great name and of course that tells its own story and uh 
you know, there's no point in us going into that long story now. But how is your brother? Brother's flying. Right. Brother is. You, you gave your kidney to your brother. Yeah. And he's well, older than you, right? He is significantly older than me and delighted to say yeah. he's doing well. When I gave it to him, they reckoned he had five years. Yeah. That's what I was told. Mm. And it's the sixth anniversary of it on February 2nd mm. this year. So, yeah, I've talked about that a lot. Yeah, I know you have, yeah. And yeah. I also did a kind of a documentary piece mm. about the donation, which people can find on Irishman Abroad if mm. they are considering life donation. Did you have donation. Joe Brawley on your... Um, I spoke to Joe yeah. about doing the show and um, that was one of those ones where he said he'd do it and then didn't. Yeah. Uh, but like the live donation thing is my is my thing here with, with live donation. My brother's life is my brother's life. That's his. That's his story to tell now. I, did, I told my story in the show Oregon Freeman and in the documentary I made about it and now I'm on a mission to get everybody to consider live donation. Like live donation. There's one thing about signing your card and getting your donor card. Yeah. But to me, live donation is a peculiar beast that uh, is one of the biggest miracles of modern medicine and I lived it and saw it. So if anyone's listening to this and they're thinking about they have somebody in trouble, mm. contact me. I will always return the call. I'll ring you. We'll talk it through and I'll tell you what's ahead of you if you consider going down this line. And that to me is my contribution rather than kind of doing more, um, you know, kind of inane tweets about it. Mm. I think that you can actually reach people with the personal experience. Okay. Of, yeah. Good one, um, Jarlath. And what about um, Jarzilla? That's your new show. That's the new so one. So when did you write that it's and what beast. are you doing with it? <laughs> yeah, I uh, wrote that over the last three years. So okay. it's about the mentalness that we went through and about the moving home ah. and about being a fish out of water in England even after 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that is uh, shot now, shot in Dublin just the other week. And now the the difficult editing process. Will goes. there ever be a sense that you feel, I think I spoke to somebody else about this before, uh, just personally, not on a podcast, that they went abroad for a while um, and when they came back, they felt like a fish out of water at home. Yeah. Yeah, no. Is there, there anything definitely that? Oh, 100%. Like mm. it's, Taking our, it's taking us time to settle. Yeah. It is a different place. We haven't fully found exactly where we want to live yet. Mm. And your number one priority is getting your son to feel happy here. Because for him, England is where he grew up. That's it. He said it to me the other day, that was my childhood home. And now he's turning 13 in November. And, you know, when he says that to you, you're like, wow, well, we got to make this your teenage home, you know. We we've, and that's a that's a task, you know. There also the other thing is, ten years ago, my friends were, you know, out on the piss and you know coming to every gig there was. Mm. They've all gone and got themselves kids and got grown up. So mm. there's a whole there's a whole settling in process that has to happen here. But you know what? It's a fun one. It is fun. Like I yep. am so lucky to be back. Especially, as you said, in a country that's in the state that it's in right now, good mm. and bad, mm. there's there's a lot of positives here. Mm, mm, mm. Jarlath, listen, welcome back to Ireland. Great to see you again. And uh, you're going to be an even bigger success here than you were over there. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Good luck with the tour. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Jarlath. My thanks to Jarlath Regan for coming in and sharing um, a wonderful hour and a half or so with me. It was great to chat and catch up with Jarlath. 
I remember having done The Irishman Abroad um, a few years ago and I really enjoyed it. Okay, if you want to get in touch with me, don't forget, it's GiftGrubMario um, on Twitter, at GiftGrubMario, or it's at MarioRosenstock at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with me personally on Gmail. More stuff next week, more comedy, more interviews, and more surprises, hopefully. Come and see me out on tour, if you can, from February 24th. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>